Top down the city, riding with me Been through the storm and the gritty Do it for the mom and pop on every block New day sunshine on every block Windows open, I'm yelling unity Side by side with my community Celebrate, let's have a jubilee It's bigger than you and me They've been there for us Let's be there for them everyone and welcome to an all-new episode of Wonderfilled Week. I am your host, Caitlin Corey. On today's episode, we are going to do a small business owner spotlight. I am honored to welcome my dear friend and eyebrow guru, Debbie Dexter. Debbie is the owner of Brows Studio City. One of LA's premier specialists, Debbie is known for her thick, on-trend eyebrows. Debbie is a personal favorite of makeup artists, producers, directors, and celebrities alike. Debbie has been featured on the Lady Gang podcast, CBS Channel 2's The Brow Whisperer, and Refinery29's Where to Score Your Best Brows Ever in LA. Debbie's salon, Brows, has been voted Best Places for Eyebrows in Los Angeles by CBS KCAL 9 and Top Eyebrows in LA by LA City Voter. Established in 2014, Brows Studio City is a boutique eyebrow waxing and tweezing salon, best known for their natural eyebrow style and brows product line, which I am obsessed with. Debbie is here today to discuss her passion, her drive, how she launched her small business, and how she is navigating keeping her small business afloat amid the pandemic. Debbie is a ray of sunshine, guaranteed to leave you feeling beautiful and uplifted with each visit to her chair. Without further ado, please welcome Debbie Dexter to the program. Hello, Debbie. Thank you for joining me on Wonderfilled Week this morning. I'm honored. Thank you. And I know that you are a lot like me, and you are a huge proponent of shopping small and supporting local business. That is like totally our vibe. So with that being said, you are a small business owner, and you are the epitome of a girl boss. So walk us through how your life's journey birthed brows. Okay. Hmm. How far do you want me to go back? You pick. <laughs> okay. We're going back to childhood. Let me tell you all my problems. Um, let me see. Um, I guess I'll go back to where, where Brows started. It had a lot of jobs and a lot of businesses and a lot of likes and wants in my life. Like I, I try things because the one thing that I say to everyone my age and younger is stay curious, stay curious. It's like my motto for life, which means learn as much as you can about things. So I was in publishing and I worked for some really cool magazines, which made me like a cool mom to my son. I worked at Thrasher and Juxtapose and I worked out for them for 12 years. And I was a search director of both magazines. They were in San Francisco and I was in LA. So I ran those magazines, which meant that I got to see all of the artists and the art and I was deeply entrenched in that. And then I got to know about skaters and uh, skateboarding and merchandise and things like that. And that was a super cool job for where I was in my life, raising my son. And it was amazing, right? Um, that business, as far as the magazine business, really took a hit. Like when Barnes and Noble and Borders and those kind of places started 
shutting down. As a matter of fact, as a caveat to that, I just heard that Oprah is actually just going digital now too. So the magazine print business is super hard to keep going and it becomes um, an advertising vehicle at some point because it's a lost leader. You go in and you're selling magazines and you're actually destroying more magazines than you sell. So um, my job, my position was then gone. Uh, and I had to say goodbye after 12 years. We all did. Everybody in the department I was in um, left. So I was like, Oof, what do I love? What do I love? Like, I had this moment where I went, I'm at a crossroads. What made me happy? And I went, I love skin because going again back to childhood, my, I always had skin problems. I had really bad eczema as a kid. I had eczema on my arms and my legs. I was allergic. I mean, I at one point had it around my lips, you know, and I had all this like itching and I always had like eczema medicine and allergies. So I went back to a place that made me happy and that was my dermatologist of all things. And I remember going to him and my mom used to say, you're a really handsome dermatologist. And he do these like treatments on me. And he made me feel at this age, he made at, at the age of like, I don't know, 12 to 15 to maybe 11 to 15. He made me feel confident in ways that I hadn't felt because I was always, you know, itchy. <laughs> like I was a mess. And he's like, we can handle this. We can take care of it here. Use this cream. I had this Kenalog cream. I was really into like putting it everywhere and it started to go away. I realized a lot of that had to do with like now in later years, which is a whole nother subject, had to do with a lot of childhood anxiety. I'm sure that was exacerbated by my anxiety. I had anxiety and that anxiety was part of this inflammation. But anyway, moving forward. I thought to myself, all right, I'm older. I can't go to school and be a dermatologist right now. I already had these, at that point with the magazines, that was my second career. My first career was a musician and I was in a band and I was signed to a label and stuff. So that was, yeah, that was my first one. So the second one was the publishing. So I went, what can I do? And I looked into this class, these, this school for estheticians. And it was this funky little school in Silver Lake. And I couldn't go to a Marinello because I'm not a joiner like that, but I found this like super underground hipster sort of school in Silver Lake and, and the price was right. And I just said, okay, I'm going to go to school and be an esthetician. Let me backtrack a little bit. My job at high speed, which was the Thrasher and Juxtaposed uh, production company was still, I was still hanging on to that. So I would do that. And then I'd go to school and I was doing that and I'd go to school. Meanwhile, I'm a single mom and I have my home office business and I'm just jamming. Um, soon after that, the way things are supposed to go, the job at high speed ended and I became an esthetician. And then what do I do? I have to look for work, right? So I've got to look for a job. I was like, oh man, all right. This is like, I love it in theory and I learned how to do facials and skin and anatomy and things that I think a regular school wouldn't teach us, uh, you know, like a Marinella, because we got to just go in. Actually, we had no supervision whatsoever. I'm not even going to name the school, but they just let us go wild in that. We did everything. 
I really like the electronic parts of the facial. Like I love using like the galvanic machines and things that were a slight bit dangerous. And now they're sort of common, but then they weren't as common. I did a lot of galvanic facials, a lot of electrical gadgetry. And when I first started, that was my first thing. I was like, give me all the electrical gadgets. I want to see what happens. Anyway, um, fast forward to I got a job um, with a plastic surgeon um, in Beverly Hills who was super great. Um, he got us certified, me and another woman, um, in everything. He's like, I just want you guys to be certified. So we got to take all the classes and get certified with all the skincare products and become master estheticians for this plastic surgeon. He opened um, an annex to his Beverly Hills practice, which was in Studio City. He built out a very small room, I would say eight by 12, where he would do lasers and he sent his estheticians there. So we went to this little annex, which he hand built out this really modern, cool little built little place. Um, after a while, he decided he it just didn't make sense for him because his business was more high end. And why was he? Why did he have this place in off of Ventura Boulevard in a place called Diamond Beauty? Why did he have this little annex? And like he was like, no, but you should take it, Debbie. You should take this spot. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, just take it. Uh, which was amazing because it came fully furnished. So that became Debbie Dexter Skincare. And I started doing these specials and these galvanic and anti-aging facials there. And I met my friend Paul, who did hair there. And I would be in this calm environment and Paul would crack jokes and you could hear them through the door. And my clients would be laughing and I would laugh. And I was like, who is this maniac? Sometimes he's by my door telling jokes. And I was like, oh, but I love him. And he actually made my days go by, you know, so quickly. Anyway, as I'm doing the facials, I did a lot of producers and celebrities from that neighborhood. Um, but I didn't know anyone personally, but I would, they would come in and get their galvanic facial. I don't remember how much I charged at the time, but probably not very much. And then under the mag mirror, I would look and say, can I do your eyebrows? That's how it started. Can I do your eyebrows? And they're like, yeah, because everything looked, their skin looked flawless, but their eyebrows were like, oh, they weren't in sync. So I started doing eyebrows that way and I wouldn't charge people. And I remember one day this woman who I really liked and I had known her from like the music days, she did a couple movies. She said, you should open a brow, a brow shop someday. Maybe you will. And I'm like, definitely not. I love facials, I like the calmness. And she's like, yeah, one day you should. You're really good. I've gone to a lot of people who are really good. I didn't think too much of it, but I just kept going with it. And I just kept doing brows and then it became part of my menu. And then again, it's the ebb and flow of life. That business closed, the store closed and actually the owner passed away, which was really sad. Um, and I was going to look for another job. And I went to um, an injectable clinic in Santa Monica that was looking for an esthetician. And by that time I was already older and I was quite aware of ageism that was starting to happen then. And I went in and I spoke to this man who ran his wife's company 
and she was like a big injectable person and he was a marketing person and we were like oil and water. And basically he, what he wanted for me is he wanted to know how I marketed and how I did Thrasher and Juxtapose. Well, for me, I was an esthetician now and that part of my life was like separated, but he was like grinding me to find out all of this information. And I left that interview and I got in my car thinking I'm unemployed. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm an esthetician and I started crying and I went, holy shit, excuse my French. Um, this, I'm at the crossroads right now of my life. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have another backup plan. Okay. So I got in my car and I drove. I drove around and I did like, this is your life, Debbie Dex. This is your life. Where did you live? What, who were you then? What did you do then? How did you overcome that? Honestly, I drove through and I went to my old house. I sat outside. I had a very deep thing happen to me. I could start crying. And I just was like, what do I do with my life? And then I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't realize it was, I didn't realize it was going to make me emotional, but I went, it was, it was actually wild. Um, I went to my um, old house and I sat outside and I thought about like raising my son there and what happened and who was I? And I don't know. It was crazy. I, then I started, I just heard somebody say to me or uh, the woman who came in or a lot of other factors in my life, um, you should have your own business. This is the only way you're going to make it. You that you know ageism is happening, you know you're older, you know you're seasoned, you know what's going on, open your own brow salon, open your own salon, like I'm having this conversation, what's stopping you, what's stopping you, uh, fear, oh my god, I'm so, you know, I have this very fearful thing, I had no money, zero, I had credit cards, because one thing is I always kept my credit good, so I had this good credit, so, I drove down the street and I called all these places, not knowing anything about what it is to have a storefront. I know nothing. I don't even know how to open one. And I drove from Silver Lake through Studio City, drove down Ventura Boulevard, and I saw a release sign outside. And I called and I talked to the owner. And I, he said, oh, are you here? And I said, oh, I actually just drove by. And he goes, well, if you turn around, I'll show you. So I turned my car around and I talked to him and he came outside and he showed me the building. And we sat outside and talked music for two and a half hours. As the sun went down, he talked about his life as a musician and he told me a story. And he said, um, my dad, I used to do electronics for music in the garage. And um, one day my dad said, you need to get out of the garage and open your own business. He goes, I think you need to get out of the garage. This landlord said to me, get out of the garage, open your business. I go, you think I can do it? Here's a stranger. I go, you think I can do it? And he goes, yeah, I think you can do it. So I called my brother. I said, what do you think about me leasing this building um, to do eyebrows? And he's like, uh, send me a picture. So I sent him a picture and he goes, actually send me a video. So I walked through and he goes, oh my God, Debbie. 
Debbie, what are you thinking? And I go, you don't think it could be something? And he's like, that thing needs a lot of work. Like, I think somebody's living in there. There's no floors, the lighting, the whole place is like dilapidated. And I'm like, I know, but what would that take? Come on. So my brother drove out from Utah and with his tools and his wife, and they helped make the place. They came twice, actually. He was so hardworking and amazing by putting this place together. And we actually stand as a family, sanded the walls together, painted. It was not really hiring a lot of people to do anything. We basically put it together with our hands. So I think in saying that, that gave me some sort of push to make brows go because I already knew the effort that it took to get there. So there was this internal side of me that was like, I can't let this fail. I remember after the first year, my brother said, hey, how's it going? And I said, not good. I'm struggling, struggling. My, my poor landlord, I was like, here's another $400. I just thought I have to keep going. As much as I wanted to throw in the towel, I just kept going. And I think everybody who walks in that door is more than just brow. They're more than a brow client. And it really is more than brows. It is a place that has like this magical feel to it. And it's not me. And it's not, it just is. Like you walk in, you're like, oh, this place is fun. It's happy. It's, I don't know. It's, it's not the most beautiful salon in town. That's for sure. It needs a lot of work. It's a little rusty. But it is um, a place that I consider us being honest. We're not. It's not about, it's more than money. It's not, and that's probably not a great business model to have because I don't have like the money thing of like always like, how much weight do you make? I'm not trying to race people in. So could I run a business? Do I know how to run it? I'm not, I'm not that great at it. That's really the truth. My fear is that I am not. I, I really love working with my hands because that's, this is my thing. But as far as running a business, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. I, I just go, oh my God, what do what? I still don't know what's going on. And I love those people who take little businesses like mine and then they explore it, you know, they load it up with people. And, but that's not really the model of what my business is. You know what I mean? Like my business is not that. It's more personalized, I would say. I'd say browse is like a personal experience. So, as one of your clients, I can att- well, uh, there's a couple of things here. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there, right? First of all, that was such a moving, powerful story about like, and really honest, Debbie. And not everybody, I think, once they make it to the point that you are, where you're having celebrities come in and you're being shout out on in the news, on newspapers and articles, Refinery Twenty Nine. People forget about this stuff, you know, they just talk about their thriving business. They just talk about like, well, I'm here now and this is how I got here. Here's the shortened version. What I always love about you is it is a personal experience. You're so honest. You're saying it was really effing hard. I was in my car and I'm crying. I'm lost. I have no money. I'm unemployed. I'm a single mother raising my son and I just had to make this work. And when you said that it's a uh, personal experience when you go to browse, it's true because... I always tell my husband when I'm going to my appointments, I'm like, I'm going to be gone for like an hour. And he's like, for your eyebrows? I'm like, what's Debbie? We're going to be chatting. We're going to be talking this life. She's going to be telling me the latest and greatest of how she's using her space and, and all her new ideas. And, and that's what I think sets you apart from other people in your 
field? Because like you said, there are hundreds of other brow places, studios, and, and you said, well, I think brows is awesome. It's my aesthetic for sure. It's very rock and roll. It's very chic. I just love, I love it there. But I know what you mean. There are some very like Beverly Hills, state of the art places you can go, but you're not going to get that Debbie Dexter brows experience. You're not going to get that like really honest, transparent, fun experience where you're sitting there chatting and you're forgetting you're getting a service. You feel like you're having coffee with a friend. And as you're checking out, you're like eating candy on the way out. That's me every time in the chocolate dish. Like it's just a very personal experience. I appreciate your honesty in saying that it was hard, that it's not just like, oh, I did X, Y, and Z and I really just had a good attitude and that got me there. It's like, no, what you told us what really got you there. Family, blood, sweat, and tears, risk, fear. Like, you know, you just put yourself out there and to see if you could fly and you did. And I love that. And I feel like your clients know that. And so that leads me to my next question. You have a way of connecting with your clients and I'm one of them. And we have this deep connection. And when I have you on the podcast, I say, my dear friend, Debbie, I don't say like, my eyebrow esthetician, Debbie. It's like, no, my dear friend, Debbie is coming on the podcast. And you do have a way of connecting with your clients, whether they're celebrities or first time walk-ins, you have a warmth. I said in the intro that you're like a ray of sunshine. When you come into brows, you're the sunshine in there. And so do you think that your ability to connect with your clients sets you apart and keeps your clientele loyal and coming back? And my second part of my question is, what do your clients mean to you? Because I know they mean a lot. Wow, that's, you're so sweet and so kind. And I always love when you're there. And I wish I could have like a little pocket, Caitlin, to be like, yes, there we go. Because there's a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, I know you're such a great cheerleader to so many. And you know that. I mean, I know that about you. But working with clients that I know, I mean, I really want to know. I'm, like I said, staying curious. I want to know people. I'm this close to them, which we should talk about how the pandemic has actually changed all of that. But I know them and I want to know them. There's a difference. I don't look at them and think like, or anyone who comes in who I bond with. And there have been times that I've not bonded with people. Um, and um, it just happens. Not everybody can like you. And that was a hard thing for me to understand um, is that not everybody will want to talk. Not everybody wants, some people want to get their eyebrows done. And I understand that too. And they don't want to talk. They want to get it done and they want to be done. And they want, they don't want to connect. And that's fine too. And that happens if, at Browse. And you just have to read people. So I want to say that like not everybody is someone I bond with. But you kind of pick up people's energy. I think that's what it is too. You pick up their energy. It's like, is their energy want to talk to you? Do they not want to? And so people who are receptive and really want to have a community type business, which Browse is community driven, I would say, that's the greatest thing ever is to know people's children, to know their life, to know their husbands. How, how are they doing? How's your husband? How are you guys? Where I know where people are from. Like I'm, I'm curious. I love people. I love people. I think part of being an institution for anyone is you have to have a love of people. And I remember my teacher told me that first. She goes, if you don't love people, this is not the job for you. And it's true. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I feel that would be interesting to navigate, especially starting out. So you opened Browse in 2014. We're in 2020, obviously. 2020. Hello. We'll never forget this year. Never. But 
I'm sure in those six years, it, it, there was a learning curve, I'm sure. Like, you're curious, right? That's your mantra. You stay curious. So you get to know people. It, it's your nature to connect, to try at least, before you can see what your energy you're going to get back. But I'm right. sure that was probably hard for you. Like, okay, I have to sort of like feel this person out and see. And and, and not everyone's going to be that person who shares everything or is vulnerable or opens up. And, and I'm sure that was kind of hard to learn. Like, okay, I just have to be okay with that. Like, this is a business and I can run my business. I can connect with the people who want to, but I can also just run my business as a woman-owned business and I'm just going to do it and they're going to leave and that's fine. But I'm sure that was hard for you because of who you are. Yeah. That's interesting. I never thought of that, but it probably was, and it probably still is. So pre-COVID, your business was thriving, okay? You have a very loyal clientele, always bumping, hard to get an appointment at Browse because Debbie Dexter is just in demand. I know you had big plans for your space outside of just doing Browse because you are creative. You know, we know that you're in publishing. We know you're a rock star. We know you're an esthetician. Like, you do it all. You don't just have one thing that you focus on. You are going, you've done uh, art gallery shows that in your space. You were going to tell me about how you were going to do a fundraiser for homeless youth. You had big, big plans for Browse, Studio City, and then COVID hits. Okay, so tell us about how COVID has affected your small business and how you have been pivoting to stay afloat. Well, um, I was basically closed. I've been closed. Um, other than maybe like five weeks since March um, in the browse space. Um, so it's been very interesting. At the beginning, I threw myself into volunteer work because I know that when you're lacking, the only answer for me, not for everyone, is to give. If you don't have, you, you give and it bounces back to you. And and doing it fulfills you. It fulfills your heart. Like, I was like, what do we have going on here? We, I watched a video. I was on Instagram one day and I saw these girls working for CORE. And I was like, I want to work for CORE. So I called them. This woman called me and said, so do you want to go on the front lines? And I'm like, no, 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 I don't. But I will do phone stuff. And she's like, oh, it's really specific, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she, after a phone call with her, she recommended me. And they called me. They said, well, they said, yeah, this woman can really talk. So she put me on the phone with them and we did a phone interview and they're like, yes, perfect. So I got on the set, on the thing. And then there was a small group of us at the beginning, the beginning of the pandemic when there was no, I mean, honestly, I remember 449 people with COVID. And so I remember the beginning. It's like, probably the beginning of any pandemic, the beginning of HIV or AIDS or be, be, just being on the like, like phone calls about the beginning of it. And it was, what is this? What is, what's going on? And it started ticking up and people started dying. And, and so we started getting people on the front lines. And honestly, my hope and faith was renewed in people who I would call and they would say, I'd say, where do you live? And they'd say, like, Glendale. They'd say, I'd say, well, we've got places that you can go to in Malibu or Mission Hill. And they'd say, send me in anywhere you need me. I'll go. It was crazy. It was like military. It was like, send me into the war. I'm going to go and be testing. And what 
will I get COVID? What's the PPE? I mean, they were on the front line, fully masked, getting, you know, testing people. And these people were the greatest. After about three and a half months, I took a break from CORE. Um, mostly because I had other things to handle. Um, I still feel like I'm connected to CORE in a lot of ways, but um, at one point my mom tested positive for COVID um, and she's by herself in Utah. So I think that sort of coincided with me not having 14 days put together with CORE that I was just like, okay, um, I think I'd also have to concentrate on my business and what's going to happen with my business because there's not a lot of business. So fast forward to the fact that there isn't a lot of business. This is a very close, I'm close to your face, but everybody's masked and there's full PPE, but I think people are nervous. And I, I don't know what to say about it. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I've been trying to stick with brows and sort of keep it open, but I'm not sure if that's what needs to happen right now. I'm not sure if I'll be doing mobile services, but I'm going back to core for a minute. When I got into uh, core, and not that I want to not talk about brows because that's so important to me, but I did want to also help with COVID and um, I got um, a certificate for a COVID compliance officer. It's called a CCO and um, that you have a kit and you go with and do all the compliance on movie sets and commercials. So I'm now, I now have that under my belt only because I know so much about it. Again, the same way that I started doing brows, like what am I passionate about now? What changed my life? And I, I had a restored faith in humanity. And what really made me feel good, it was working on something philanthropic, but also working with COVID or whatever is going on right now. And that really made me feel good. So my direction, and that, I guess that's how I always start things of what to deeply soul search, what really changed me, my direction went towards CCO to do that until the pandemic has subsided and the vaccines start coming out and rolling out. And that'll probably be in like April, May of next year. But in the meantime, that is something that I will be doing and going out for jobs on that while keeping my, my hope is to keep Browse alive and do that. Yeah, you've certainly been pivoting and you're not one to just sit around. We know that about you. You're curious, you're in there. And if something's going on, you're learning all about it, which is huge. And staying curious really translates into staying educated. So you're very up to date with COVID. You're the perfect person to be on these sets helping because you're so educated in it and you're passionate about it. And I think that's what makes a difference is the passion behind it. Yeah, I think I think so. Thank you. We need to keep Browse alive, though. I know. I talked to my landlord about it the other day, and I'm just like, what should we do? Because he's been really sweet with me and really great. And um, he's kind of helping a little bit, but also, like, I, I can't keep financially going into that hole. Although I love it, but it, it may be time to maybe look for another. There, look, no one... I'm always going to have my hands. I'm always going to be able to do brows. I'm always going to be me. Like I, I think that can happen somewhere else. It would be extremely sad, but 
What advice would you give to other small business owners who are feeling the same, feeling defeated and just feeling like this, I may have to close the doors of my small business? What piece of advice would you give them? It, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I have no, I have no advice. It's heartbreaking. I, I wish I did. I wish I did. I think that um, small businesses have really, um, a lot of them have not been able to get the loans the PPP that everybody's talking about, that a lot of us didn't get it, you know, and I put in for it at the beginning. And I think that closing our small businesses is, was really difficult and necessary. But at the same time, we didn't get anything back, which means that like, there was no help. There's no rent relief. My heart breaks because there's so many restaurants and businesses and you know, there are people who are flourishing um, in this pandemic. We have to also talk about that. There are people who have really uh, flourished, made a lot of money, and pivoted in ways that we never thought um, would happen. And for those people, I'm happy. Um, but I also would advise them to look at the other side of people who have not been able to do that. The restaurants. The restaurant business is like getting decimated right now. And the small businesses who couldn't get the loans and the people who are not influenced, like there are, there's a lot of people, there's, you know, five miles of lines of people waiting to get turkeys for Thanksgiving. There is a, there's a world of people that have not enough right now. And I think it's so important for people to be cognizant of what that looks like. Like, take a second and go, like, what does that look like for people to not have enough to eat on Thanksgiving? And if you're a multimillionaire or a billionaire and you don't see it, we have major problems. That is, a, I, it's, a, it's a huge problem for me um, and a huge divide. And I spend a lot of nights thinking about it, um, how people can actually turn that side of them off. It's, it's actually frightening. It's not in you. I know it's not in you. It's not in me. We're big proponents of shopping local. And even on your street on Ventura, I mean, Ventura is a major street, right? It, it spans so many little towns. But your little block of Ventura was such a community. I mean, you're friends with the neighbor who does hair and then across the street would get the smoothies. And like you guys are a little community and a little family. And to watch their businesses of all your friends just basically be tanking right now. It's just like you said, heartbreaking. There's really just no other word. And that being said, how can we support Browse during the pandemic? I mean, you have online options. You have products. How can we help you? I have products. I, I, I just was doing my eyebrows in the actual mirror of my phone. Okay, so tell us about your products. Tell us how we can support you. Thank you so much. Okay, so the product, look. I would not sell anything that I didn't love. That's just, I mean, I honestly, I look at it sometimes. I'm like, oh, the packaging, like I want different packaging. My, my idea for 2021 was to redo all my packaging, have a new oil in glass bottles and really go glass or make something that was completely amazing, like the package. So for Christmas, I think I'm going to do a package of three. I'm going to do um, the clear, dark brown, and black 
and do like three for, I don't know yet, but I'm going to do maybe like a little Christmassy thing and do a product giveaway. But let me go back to the product. The product is um, girl, it's called Girl. It's, um, it's a thick brow gel in brown or black. You have brown. Is that black? I, pr- I have both, but I prefer the black, yeah. but I have both. Okay. I use the brown. It works like, it's a brow gel with a really good hold um, and, and great color pigment and color placement into the pigment. The pigment's super important with those. If you go and buy one by like other name brands, big brands at, at the store, you can see that the pigment isn't as thick. And another thing is it dries sort of um, chalky and this doesn't do either. It's not tested on animals. It, that's, I mean, it's a great product, you know. Um, it's the best. I use it every day. <laughs> and it's made in the USA. We love to see it. And it's made in the USA. Thank you very much for saying that. Um, so, yeah. So, that's what's going on with the brow stuff. And I'm, that might keep me afloat for Christmas. And then kind of figure out what 2021 is. Um, you know. So, yeah. that's. I think we're all... Look, we are all trying to figure this out, right? Right? We all are just, it's, it's a time like no other. It is, it is the great divide of our world. It is the great divide of people. And it is heartbreaking. And um, there's a lot of, for me, there's a lot of hope. So I think our mission is to hold on to that hope, okay? In a world that's so divisive right now, especially our country, we have to come together. There are very many like-minded people like you and I who have the same mission. They're nodding along with everything you're saying. They want to support small business. They want to see you thriving again in your business that you were so passionate about, that you put your blood, sweat, and tears into. And we're going to do that, okay? You know more than anyone about COVID that there's going to be a vaccine, that we are going to come out the other side of this. So in the meantime... Until that day comes, we just have to stay hopeful, stay grateful, stay creative, and no one is more creative than you. With the pivoting, I'm wearing my Etsy, Topanga Bras Etsy shirt, okay? I'm rocking my products, and everyone else can rock their products too. Stay social with Debbie. Follow along on social media. Supporting small business, especially during COVID, is vital, but it's also so, so easy. The same way that you click on Amazon, you can go into browse browsestudiocity.com and click on these products okay it's it's really just now or never and it's vital so follow along on social media on instagram at browsestudiocity at topanga browse visit debbie's website browsestudiocity.com support small business not just debbie's everyone's shop local shop small it's the holiday season amazon doesn't need any more of your money these big you know, companies don't need any more. It's the small local businesses, the friendly smiling faces that you see in your own towns. And that I think is like the biggest message that I want to leave with everyone today. It's the season of giving and let's all give to our favorite places. I mean, those places are your favorite places. No one's saying Amazon is their favorite place. It's just the most convenient. But you know, if you really want to save those favorite places, we got to do the work now. So, well, I want to say thank you for being here. Aw, you're the best. Love you so much. I love you. I appreciate you. And I can't wait until the day I can come to Topanga and hug you. (laughs) All right. Have a fabulous day. Love you. I love you, Debbie. Thank you. You too. Bye.
New day sunshine on every block. Windows open, I'm yelling unity. Side by side with my community. Celebrate, let's have a jubilee. This is what it's about. So push yourself. Find things you love. Laughter. And and realize that this is a short ride. And so every day is a precious day. So I'm grateful that I'm here today. You know, that's it. Let's be there for them. They've been there for